This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Greetings one, greetings all. Thanks so much for joining me. I've got a killer conversation with my good mate from Iceland to share with you. His name is Smori Torov, and he's the fella at the center of an outfit called Petronian. Now the catalyst for the conversation is due to the launch of the debut album from the group. It is titled Stabbed with Steel. Before we get to the chat, let's play a tune. Let's hear an example of why this album is so special. This is a song called The Voice Within. And once it's done, we'll dive into the chat. Let's go.
let's talk about the music. Let's get stuck into the music, okay? Because uh, that's how we've connected. And look, I've really gotten, I really enjoyed our banter too, by the way. It's been great sort of getting to know you and uh, exchanging messages. It feels like you're next door, not tens of thousands of kilometres away like you are. That's the beauty of technology, I suppose, isn't it? But um, yeah. you, you mentioned that the band is branded the music or thereabouts, West Fjord Death Metal. I love that. I love that you've given it some local flavour, but but I am curious, what's what's the philosophy behind the label? Um, so the thing is, I grew up in Patrikshjörður in the West Fjords, and that's where the whole music thing started for me. Uh, I started playing drums at eight, and alongside the drums came the guitar when I was maybe 11 or 12. And I mean, I was playing in a band, a metal band as a drummer when I was nine or 10. So the whole, the whole metal thing for me started in Patrikshjur. And that's actually where the name Patronian comes from. To me, to me, it means uh, somebody from that, from that place, but I did um, I did find out that it does mean protector in Romanian, <laughs> okay. which is fine to me. Um, but the West Fjord death metal label, I wanted to I wanted to pay tribute to my roots, and also the drummer is from a nearby fjord as well. So two-thirds of the band are from the West Fjords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. So it's got that, it's got the cultural and geographic relevance there. Okay, I like that. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. And it's so it's so unique. It's so different. I mean, you'd be the only band playing that too. That's the other thing. So it gives you something unique to stand out from the pack within, especially because People like that. You, you see that sort of thing all the time, and it's nice to have something from Iceland that uniquely identifies as, as being from Iceland. But with the yeah. with, with your music, your recent release or the upcoming release, I should say, is that an album or an EP? Uh, it's an album. Um, so we we still think in vinyl length, and that's. That's that's what I always look for still when I'm making an album. It's it it shouldn't go over um I think it's 18 minutes 18 minutes per side. And uh plus I guess when the CD arrived back in the day, it could hold uh more space or more um more length, I guess, yeah. and the concept of, of an album became longer because of that. And all of a sudden you had like a whole bunch of, I don't know, 50, 60 minute album coming out. And for me, it was just, it was it's too much, too much. I just wanted, I just wanted um, things to be to the point, you could say. So that's that's why this album i mean it is six songs but one of the one of the songs is 15 minutes 
I actually I the last one. Yep. Well, we 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 thought about we thought about splitting that in three, but then we figured no, it is it is a it is a piece of music that goes on for fifteen minutes. So we let it stay as one song. The Great so, Western Friend Kill is yeah. the name of that one. Is there a, is there a unique tale behind that that particular cut? Sorry. Is there a unique the, tale behind the, that cut? The Great Western Friend Kill. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. Well, um, well, we're we're kind of paying tribute to not only Pantera but also an Icelandic band called Minus, and they actually in two thousand and seven, their last ever album was called The Great Northern Whale Kill. <laughs> so we figured, hey, we got the southern, we got the northern, so we will add the western. <laughs> yeah. So I guess there's somebody out there maybe that can add the eastern and the full circle is yeah. uh, complete. Yeah. So so the album, it's called Stabbed with Steel. Thank you for sending it through. I've had it now for a couple of months. I, I listen yeah. to it fairly regularly, I've got to say. It's not been one of those releases where... You send it through. People look. People do send me things, and you listen to it out of curiosity and because you want to support people. But yours has been one of those ones where I, I can't imagine that it's not going to make my year-end top ten. Okay, so that's the first accolade I'm going to give to you. Okay, it's it's for reference for people listening. I've picked a few bands to which your music could vaguely be compared to because you've got your own unique sound. But yes, I will play a track before the, the before we have this conversation for people. But I just want to go a bit deeper than that. And I want to say that what I feel like your band relates to is the brooding fury of obituary, the angular and muscular patterns of gore guts on the album Obscura, one of, one of my favourite albums ever, that one there, Obscura. But you've also got the intensity and some molten lava of Cannibal Corpse, and they really grind down that Pat O'Brien jug, 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 that thing there, and they and they shift gears and they take things back a step. Do, do you agree with my comparisons there? I have, <laughs> I have absolutely no, no problem with, um, um, with those great bands being being mentioned. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's an album that once it gets its hooks into you, I, I like I like it must be to do with your philosophy there because yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot of things that are going on right now. What's happening now is that a lot of music is quantized, as you as you hear you hear a lot of this stuff that's quantized. And I had a good chat to Scotty Carstairs from Fallujah about it, and uh, there's this tendency for bands to line everything up in Pro Tools and make sure that the bass drum and the bass guitar and the guitar, they're all bang, bang, bang like this, and it's soulless, whereas there's a lot of spirit, there's a lot of heart and soul with what you guys are doing here. So yeah. if I had to isolate uh, a single aspect of the album that I think stands out, it would probably be the solo on The Voice Within, okay? That's that's a candidate yeah. for one of the solos of the year right there. So is that a solo that you developed over a long period of time or was it a bit more spontaneous, so to speak? Spontaneous, definitely. I, I wanted it to feel like a guitar battle, you could say. That's why it's it kind of feels nice. like one guitarist is playing for a while and then the other one takes takes the center of the stage and then it goes back to the other one. Mm. So that's that's kind of how I felt 
that's what came to me when um, when I did that solo. But um, because you mentioned it, a lot of bands are doing the uh, how did you put it? Quanta, Quantas, yeah, 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 yeah. And the thing is, I mean, it's it's pretty safe for me to say that I come from the the old school. I, I mean, I grew up listening to to uh, metal in the '80s as well as the '90s, and saw a bunch of those bands live back in the day. And uh, and the things that that I often get disappointed with because today the musicianship it's it's never been better there's so many incredible credible you know guitarists drummers um vocalists bassists whatever um but i on a very regular basis i get very pissed off with the sound incredibly pissed off with the sound i'm like guys why do you have to sound like this i mean it's you're doing you're doing metal it's 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 down tuned to i don't know what you're, yeah. you're you're growling you're doing all the this these wonderful things that that make for good metal but you're polishing the damn sound and i can't stand it so it, it was it was it was very easy for me to to um, to know what direction sound-wise I wanted to go into when I made this album, because I I I don't when I listen to metal I don't want any added studio frequencies that don't represent. Um, like an amp or true drums or true vocals or true bass amp. Like I just, I want it to sound like an incredibly powerful rehearsal maybe. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I, get, makes I, sense. Get, I get quite heated when I talk about this because like in the past few years, I've probably listened to I don't know, new bands in the hundreds. And I I mean, I I love that it's metal, but I just, most of the time, I just, I don't like the sound. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I can relate. I can relate. It's uh, when I started doing this five years or so ago, I had no idea what the new bands were at the time. So it was a complete re-education for me coming from that older school with Morbid Angel and Deerside and, there were a couple of new bands I was into, like Animals and as leaders. But by and large, it was a complete... I had to immerse myself in what Napalm were doing, what uh, Nuclear Blast were up to. Roadrunner have disappeared more or less these days and Earache are doing rock and roll. They don't do metal anymore, I don't think. So mm -hmm. I had to re-educate and, and understand what the, what the new bands were all about. And that was the first thing that jumped out was... It was almost unlistenable 
after a period yeah. of time. You certainly couldn't listen to things one after the other, meaning different band. You couldn't go from one band to another band to, to the next one because you couldn't tell the bloody difference and it was almost stressful. And uh, it was, and I made this point on the podcast many times, it's like as if the band's heard Death Magnetic from Metallica and goes, there it is, let's do it. And that's one of the worst sounding albums of all time. It's an absolute terror of an album to try to get through. So I'm, I'm very grateful that you haven't killed the songs. You let the songs breathe. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we will we, we will keep on doing that. That's in, incredibly, incredibly important. Um, and if I speak for myself, like, I, I just, I couldn't, um, I just, I, I, couldn't release an album that has been polished a metal album i just i couldn't do it and actually speaking on albums i am on that very day that patron the the patronian album comes out four other albums of mine are coming out as well i'm doing five different releases on the same day and it's mm. all different types of music but the the thread or what they have in common is it's not the sound you're getting is not polished. It's I'd like to think of it as true sound. Tell me about the other releases. Um, so I am also in a rock band called Led by a Lion and we play I guess it's a mix of rock and perhaps a tiny bit of blues. Mm -hmm. And then I have a uh, folk album where I play slide, like lap style slide guitar and regular finger picking guitar and sing. Mm -hmm. Then I have a somewhat of a flamenco album. And then the last album is, uh, it's called Son of the Wind. And it's during the summertime in Iceland, I sometimes sit by a waterfall and play meditation music on slide guitar. So that's a free flow meditation album, you could say. You'll have to so send me through the links so as I can promote it on the show as well, okay, if, you, if that's cool. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued, man. So I heard you, your your flamenco playing on the track Interlude and wondered where you yeah. were taking that, but you've answered the question. You've done an entire album based on it. Yeah. 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 Who taught yeah, you? That one is you... called, sorry? You, you... I, I, I forgot to mention, so it's, it's Patronian, the death metal, um, led by a lion, which is a rock and roll band, mm. Smeriglio del Toro, which is flamenco, my own name, Smaure Tarvud, which is a folk album, and then Son of the Wind, which is a meditation album. What's inspired this creativity from you right now, at this time in your life? Um, well, that's... That's somewhat of a tragic story, you could say, because back in back in 2014, I attained a pretty serious hand injury that that kept me from playing for almost six years. And 
I had actually given up on the idea that I could ever return to playing, which was incredibly devastating for me because music has been my life for a long time. Um, but then once I had regained enough strength in my hand to be able to record, uh, I just, all hell broke loose, you could say. I just became so happy and enthusiastic about the idea of recording a lot of material and releasing it. And somewhere along the way, I figured out, oh, I have, I have five albums that I'm working on. And the idea came up to release them all on the same day. There's, there's so a lot of variety be... in what, you, what you're doing, though. Yeah. You're not restricted to one to any one thing. It's all guitar-based music from the sounds of things, but you're playing. It's It might be easier to mention the genres you're not playing across the five releases. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I guess that has something to do with the musical upbringing. Um, I mean, I grew up listening to various types of music, and... Um, once I got into acoustic guitar playing, maybe 17, 18 years ago, um, I felt that my, it felt like I was playing a new instrument. And um, yeah, the, the music that I truly connect with, I, I can honestly say that I, uh, I find it so inspiring that it's easy for me to write um, um, as a result of that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Yes, indeed, because, look, so you've been a musician for decades, and this album here, this, let's just focus on the Petronian album then. Did you write this album recently or are these riffs that you've had over the decades that you've decided to collate together recently? Um, let's see. The, some of the stuff on this album, let's see. There's, there's one song. The, the main riff is 20 years old. And, and then there's maybe one one other song which is from maybe 2010 but the rest of the songs are new mm. and i actually have i think i have about probably about seven or eight new songs that i'm working on for the next album awesome killer yeah, yeah. how um how how much further down the road are you with the the t-shirts, the Westfield death metal t-shirts, or the jackets? I think. <laughs> <laughs> that um, we will probably do some of that once the album is out. Yeah, nice. But we're yeah. not we're not too worried about all the promotional stuff. We we um we would like things to happen in an organic way just like this interview happened and uh because i mean yeah we'd 
we'd rather let it happen that way, just in a natural way. Yeah, I'm hearing it. That's exactly how I do the podcast too, mate. It's I've got a job. I don't have to try to monetize this. This is just something I do strictly for the pure passion of sharing my joy of music and 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 yeah. being able to share so much killer music across the globe. It's something that I feel so privileged that I'm able to do and uh, I understand your perspective completely. Yeah. What What about, did you write the lyrics on the album as well? Are they all yours? I did. Um, and actually, I started growling last year so i've been a i've been a i don't i don't really think of myself as a vocalist i just think of myself as a guitar player that sometimes tries to sing because because clean vocals i've struggled with perhaps a bit because i i'm not quite uh i still i still I've yet to be, um, I don't know how to say this, I've yet to become fully confident of really, um, really uh, sing, sing clean without fear, I guess. But once I started growling last year, that's when when I truly felt like a vocalist mm. because it, it only took, like I, I, I spoke to a friend of mine who's a great vocalist and I asked him like, can you, can we do some lessons and can you teach me how to growl? And it took two lessons and I was recording maybe three or four weeks later. And that's what we're hearing. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. Do you, with that growling style, were you taught to sing from the diaphragm, really bring it up that way? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I can't yeah. do it. Yeah, I wouldn't even try. <laughs> I sing plenty because I was playing covers, as you probably heard on the show, but never done a growl. But was it, was it, right. it for you, it sounds like it was fairly easy to pick up, though. I, you know, I, I, I considered, consider myself really lucky to be able to learn this so quickly and to and also to feel so good about this right off the bat because um, um, yeah I mean like I said before I've struggled a bit with uh, just regular vocals but growling feels great absolutely great there you go. Yeah. The uh, the broader scene in Iceland, do you fit in with a broader scene there? I know it doesn't really work like that these days, certainly anywhere in the world, but is is there a scene that if you chose to be a part of it, does it exist in Iceland, a, a metal scene? It does. It does. Um, right now in Iceland you have... Uh, Roughly around a hundred and I think it's a hundred and twenty or thirty metal bands, and there's a few there's a few Icelandic festivals that happen uh, that are spread out throughout the year, and then also there are regular shows in Reykjavik. Mm. So that scene 
is maybe, I don't know, a few hundred people, maybe three to 500 people. Hmm. But that's good. That's not bad at all. Yeah. I don't think Brisbane's seen any bigger than that, by the way. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's metal's very much a niche thing these days. You can always tell, apart from, I mean, I don't, in the day to day, I don't look like a metalhead. But you go to the shows and you see the same people. <laughs> There's no two yeah, ways yeah, about yeah. it. You almost become familiar with people, you know, just give a slight nod of the hat or what have you, saying, how are you going? Good show, that sort of thing. Just very small band. You don't know anybody. You don't know anybody's name, but that's just what happens because uh, it's a genre you have to be passionate about in order to be in and follow. Yeah. Yeah. So you you toured parts of the world in a previous life, though. You actually came down here and were on TV in Australia. So you've, you've been there and done that as a touring musician. Can you tell people what you're up to? Uh, like what I'm up to right now? Or- no, back, the, the, you sent me through some photos when you are in Australia. You are on. You mentioned that you are on TV as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so back in... 1999, I was hired by an Icelandic rap metal group called Korashi. They were signed on Columbia Sony worldwide. So I played on a few of their albums and I did one major tour. Um, It was probably, yeah, it was in 2002. We did... We did the United States, we did the Warp Tour, we did uh, plenty of big uh, festivals like K-Rock and H Festival and, and more of those thingies. And we came down to Australia and Japan as well, actually. But in Australia, we did the East Coast. And it was quite an experience for me as a massive ACDC fan to come down to Australia and and finally be in the country where that whole beast started back in the day mm-hmm. and I think the like there are two highlights for me we did a live on Australian TV thing um, in I think it's called Cotton Tree Park, but I can't remember. Uh, yeah, that'd then, be right. I know if you're talking yeah. Cotton Tree Park, that's really interesting because I, I I used to live there. That's that's very oh, yeah. strange. Yeah, it's the Sunshine Coast. Wow, yeah, Maroochydore. Yeah, you're right next to water near the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, it's not that different now compared to what it was back then. That's that's a very strange coincidence. That one there. That you played, you you would have played in a park that my kids have played in a hundred times, yeah, more. Wow, I hope I get to see it again. That would be fun. Um, I'll take a photo. The other thing, I'll do a video next time I'm there. Sorry? I'll do a video and next time I'm there. It'll be in a couple of months' time. I'll um because I've still got a place up there. I'll I'll take a video and I'll send it through to you. Awesome. Um, the other thing was we played at a club in Melbourne, which was on the same street as ACDC filmed, it's a long way to the top, if you want to rock and roll. (laughs) So that was a massive thing for me to, as this 
kid from Iceland that grew up worshipping ACDC to just be in, yeah, in the same area that they started. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Yeah, ACDC is still very popular in Australia. So popular, in fact, that at any given time on a weekend, you can go and see a tribute band, an ACDC oh, yeah. tribute band. And I can't tell you how many guitarists I've played with over the years <coughs> that are just Malcolm Young. Angus is respected, but everybody loves Malcolm Young, you see. So the Malcolm yeah. Young thing is just, and it's I, as a bass player, I find it very difficult to play alongside of some of those guitarists because they chop before the beat. Yeah. So they're playing ahead of the beat, and as a bassist, it's very, it's it's like it's like a jigsaw puzzle. It's got to line up in in a way that makes sense, and it often doesn't when you're playing with those guitarists. <laughs> it's yeah. my I'll say my my story my story my journey and my story for another time. But as a musician, consequently, I've never I I, I rarely play rock or definitely haven't played metal. I play a lot of pop stuff. You know, mm. and and the reason for that is a lot of it because a lot of the bloody guitarists around me are obsessed by Malcolm, and yeah. they just copy him. And it's like you can take your inspiration, sure, but I think copying him is another thing altogether. But I digress, mm. mate. You know, so but that's yeah, that's interesting. But you mentioned you mentioned that you played at uh, Warped as well. Was that in the states or was that the European version? It was in the states. We did. I think we did 45 shows in 60 days living on a bus. That would have been crazy. Manic. Yeah. Um, but it's, so, it's something that you, like growing up playing an instrument and playing in a band, you, you, you just absolutely want to experience that. And once you get there, it's different from how you you probably imagine it um but it is a great experience to do it it is harder than people think though yeah to brutal. do it. yeah i've had many conversations as you know with with musicians have told me that that you either get it or you don't it's like being yeah. in an, in the army or something. You know, you got to stay hydrated and you got to keep your rest up. Otherwise, it just grinds you down. And especially if you're doing that volume of shows across that compact schedule. Yeah, yeah. But I I'm incredibly grateful that I got to do it because I mean, like for instance, when we not only did we do do those. That that tour, but we also did Summer Sonic in Tokyo, where uh, I mean we played on the same stage as Guns N' Roses, and that was the biggest show actually in Osaka, Japan. We played in front of thirty thousand people, I think. So for like I said, for a for a young guy from the west shorts in iceland that was massive to get to that point that's huge yeah what what happened after that did, did the band run out of steam uh well i so i was a hired guitarist for them and i stopped playing with them after that tour because i just wanted to concentrate on my own 
my own music. They, I think they went on for maybe three or four more years, but then they quit in 2000 and I think it's five or six when they quit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was, what, what was the crazy, any crazy stories from the warp tour that you can share? Uh, let's see. Um, not really. Um, I would say like, even though we were young at the time, uh, the band leader, he made it very clear that nothing could go wrong during during that tour because, and I mean, the, the schedule is hectic and everything. So, so there weren't, there weren't any, any juicy tour stories. It was all about the, it was all about the work and maybe catching a few of the bands that we were playing with live. And then it was just drive to the next city and repeat it. Mm, yeah. Did you did you get to know any of the other bands that you were playing alongside of, or did you talk to many many of the musicians? Um, let's see. We 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 uh, one of the bands that we stayed in touch with was uh, called uh, the Apex Theory. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah. the vocalist yeah. from the Apex Theory used to be the drummer in System of a Down. Um, uh-huh. Okay, and yeah. the al- the album that they made in two thousand two is one of my all time favorites. It's called Topsy Turvy, mm-hmm. and it's just one of my all time favorite albums. And I I watched those guys. I want to say probably thirty times. I just I could not grow tired of seeing them live. They were so much fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Who else was on the tour? Was No Effects and some of those bigger pop punk bands on the tour? No Effects, Bad Religion, Every Time I Die, um, Flogging Molly, Good Charlotte, The Used, Death by Stereo, um, Thursday, uh, Boy Sets Fire, stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a who's who of that genre back then, doesn't it? Boy Sets yeah, yeah. Fire and Thursday and Every Time I Die. Yeah. So a lot of those yeah. bands aren't around anymore, interestingly enough. That's true. I think Every Time I Die just quit, I think, last year, was it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. They ran out of, I don't know whether they ran out of steam, but they've been going for 25 years or something now. I mean, it's, we forget, I mean, I forget my age in the day to day. I don't think of myself as 44 and, you still you still think of yourself as fairly modestly young, let's put it that way, but we're not mm-hmm. we're not young compared to someone who's fifteen or sixteen, and that's when a lot of these bands start. So it makes yeah, sense yeah. when they've got mortgages and things in bands are very complicated at that level, all the contracts and the like and who owns the intellectual property and all that bullshit. It gets very complex and a lot of bands just give up because it's they can't unwrangle whatever it is that they organized 20 years ago. Mm. You know, yeah. So one can totally understand that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. So mate, with, with stabbed with steel killer album, when is it going to see light of day though? 
September 21st is when it com comes out. Um, it is a self-released album. So we, whenever we can afford it, we will do a vinyl release. Yes. But, but it's going to be all digital at first, but then we'll see. Yeah, and that's available on Bandcamp, is it, or via your band website if yeah. you've got one? Yeah. Yeah. Patronian.bandcamp.com. Yeah. Yeah, easy to find. Um, is it on Spotify yet? Have you got two tracks listed on Spotify? Yeah, it'll... It's. I think it will be on most streaming sites, um, so people can easily, easily find it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Get it out there, and then hopefully somebody like a label, like a Blood Blast or somebody like that, takes some interest because it certainly deserves that recognition. Thank you. That's really nice to hear. We we feel that we made an incredibly strong album. I mean, we love all the songs. We feel that they're all great. We also feel that the the album is a, as a whole truly works. Like it's not, we did have more songs, but we didn't want to ruin the, we felt like putting more songs on there wouldn't, that it wouldn't work as an album. So that's why it's it's six songs, thirty six minutes, I think, mm -hmm. and it's it's a it's a killer album from start to finish as we see it. All killer, no filler. There you go. <laughs> I am. All killer, no filler. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Well, mate, this has been a wonderful chat. It's been great to finally catch up with you. Um, however many months we've been communicating for, it's um, a high-quality release that you've got here. And uh, I, I mean, I hope people, I hope people out there are, 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 you know, the average metal fan who might be listening to Trivium and Lamb of God and this sort of stuff. And I hope they're sufficiently intrigued. And the blog sites across the world, I hope they pick it up. I'll certainly do my bit here by the podcast, yeah. as, you, as you're aware, and um, I'll put it up on my website as well. But um, I hope that happens because it certainly deserves to achieve and reach a, a broader audience than than a couple of diehards. But, you know, what do you do? You know, these days, mate, you're competing with um, people's attention spans are like this. And uh, yeah. you're competing with a lot of different stuff out there. Yeah, I mean, we, we are just incredibly happy to having made this album and releasing it mm. that that alone makes us really happy if if somebody listens that's great but that's that's not the point we just we are quenching an incredible thirst to to make um powerful death metal mission west pure death metal <laughs> mission yeah. accomplished on that front Thanks, mate. That's a great conversation and great to finally catch up. Thank you so much. I hope I'll make it down to Australia and preferably with Patronian to do some gigs.
Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Or, or, or that or, you know, in the next decade or so, I'll be over there in Iceland, mate, and we'll have a beer then maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. Thanks very much. It's been lovely to catch up with you. Likewise. Have a good one. Thanks. You too, brother. Talk to you again. Cheers, mate. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my chat with my good mate from Iceland, Smarty Todov. If you're interested in the other projects that we talked about toward the end of the chat there, go across to scarsandguitars.com, have a look at the show link, or the episode link, I should say, and they're all in there, okay? So you can check out his flamenco project, his rock project, and his more meditation-based project. It's all happening, but uh, Petronian is all about the death metal, and doesn't he do it well? Now, if you like listening to the show, maybe you do like reading as well, in which case I've written a book, and you might like reading all about the conversations that have taken place over the five and a half years of the show's existence, all put together across 60 yarns featuring 90 musicians, Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal and Beyond, at scarsandguitars.com, up the top, there is a link in a banner. It'll take you to a marketplace of your choice. You can download a sample, and if you enjoy reading the sample, maybe you will feel compelled to complete the purchase. And if you do, hit me up because I want to thank you personally. And on that note, here's some more information about the book. But before I let you go, my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms it, yes. Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, 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 just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. 
percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.